Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Spotlight Star Wars. We are here talking Star Wars, monologuing. It's me to you. A couple things on my mind this week. 
and it's about uh, some of it about negative reaction, some of it about um, just the nature of our thirst for little bits of information and morsels about Star Wars that can sometimes just, I think, take away from our own enjoyment. And it's something we've talked about before, but I think it needs a retread. First thing is Episode 9. That's right. 8 is an out. A lot of talk already about Episode 9. It's going to start shooting in January, I believe. Colin Trevorrow is uh, still at the helm. And that's some of the talk. You're starting to hear this thing that his new movie, Book of Henry, getting such bad reviews that some people are questioning. Some are just speculating. I was speaking about it on uh, JT's anchor station, JT Movie Things, talking about is episode 9 going to be okay. And I think it is. That's where I'm coming from. And it's fair to talk about. It's fun fodder. That's the media discussion world we live in. I don't want that to ever go away. I don't want anyone to think that I want to somehow go back to the dark ages where, you know, magazines that came out every month and a half was the only source of news or writing in letters to the editor. Those days have passed. I live in this media discussion world. I pay my bills by it. So I don't want that to be lost on anything I'm about to say. But I think we can wrap ourselves up in some good old-fashioned hyperbole. Some hyperbole, as Brian Regan would say. Hyperbole. Um, epitome of hyperbole. Good, good comedy album. I digress. Episode 9 will still be directed by Colin Trevorrow. There's absolutely no doubt. And it should be, because that's the man they chose. Could they have selected another director? Absolutely. The choice was controversial, and I'm putting quotation marks around the term controversial when it first happened, because, you know, he had been coming off of Jurassic World, which made a ton of money, but wasn't as well received by a lot of people, especially classic old school fans of Jurassic Park. I've said before, said again, I enjoyed Jurassic World, but I'm also not a Jurassic Park fan. Someone who is a fan is more invested, but that's that's kind of the blessing and the curse about being a fan. If you're more invested, you're more likely to be disappointed. So, Colin Trevorrow gets it. Before that, he really only uh, had Safety Not Guaranteed, which is a movie I love. And he gets a shot, which, of course, also makes it silly to hear the reports of uh, WB, quote, taking a chance on Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. Uh, but that's enough for another discussion for another time. And Patty Jenkins, if you want to direct anything in the Star Wars universe, go right ahead. I enjoyed Wonder Woman greatly. I did have some problems with it, not a perfect film, but I think the problems I have with it are superhero film problems, not anything that Patty Jenkins or the team did. Again, man, I'm digressing. Star Wars. We're talking Star Wars. Um, Trevorrow gets the job. He's going to have this job, and he should have the job because he was selected. They, they, they picked him for a reason. I'm sure Steven Spielberg picked up a phone call, a phone, and, and called over to Kathleen Kennedy and said, Hey, Abrams is your guy. This is your guy, just as Ryan Johnson is your guy. Now, because Jurassic World didn't have the greatest character development, it's a popcorn movie for sure, but that can be a crutch. We want our movies, our popcorn movies, to have a little bit more. I'm fully in that camp. All right, I'm not going to just accept Baywatch because the rock's in it. All right, it's got to be good. You got to give us something. This tentpole filmmaking could go down a bad path, and I don't want Star Wars to feel like a popcorn movie. It may be the ultimate popcorn movie, it may be the franchise that started popcorn movies in some way or another. Jaws gets a little bit of that too, I believe. Um, 
But I don't want Star Wars to feel that way. I don't want to be like, ah, great action, it didn't have the characters. Force Awakens, for all of its critiques of being a retread or um, having a simple story, I think uh, won over a lot of people on those characters. That is very important. There was good character development in The Force Awakens. At least according to a lot of people. So, um, see, I haven't seen Book of Henry yet, and I probably won't see Book of Henry. I've heard some people that like it. I've heard some people that absolutely did not like it. But the the pause, and, and, and there's some pause in the sense that some of the criticisms go... I mean, JT was telling me that some of the critics are like, hey, this is up there with like The Room as far as like a very, very unintentionally... A bad but unintentionally funny movie. That, that this is this is one for the ages. It gives me some sort of pause. But look, I think Colin Trevorrow and his team took it took it took a swing. Maybe they missed. They made a lot of money with Jurassic World. They're going to make a lot of money with Star Wars Episode Nine. Regardless, it could be uh, Jar Jar Binks dancing for two and a half hours, and it's going to make a lot of money in its opening weekend. It might fade off a little bit after that. You can't just throw anything up on the Star Wars screen. But I guess that's what we're talking about. You can't just throw anything up on a screen and call it Star Wars and hope it works. It's still going to make money, but eventually word about the repeat viewings. I saw Force Awakens, uh, you know, six, seven times in the theater, uh, if not more. I can't remember. I didn't keep track. I think I saw it seven. Oh, gosh, I'm fading. Phantom Menace, I saw eight. I didn't defeat that record this time. I got to try with eight. Episode eight. Um... But so, yeah, again, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I disagree with my own words. You, you, you have to be careful what you put up there. But uh, I think Trevorrow took a swing with Book of Henry. He tried to play something a little different, tried to play on some genres. He's not going to do that at Episode 9. There's no need to worry. Pause? Maybe. Pause because I don't, I don't want a fluff popcorn movie for Episode 9. This is closing out the new trilogy. It needs to be big. I think it even needs to be better than Jedi. Which is a which is a, a hard uh, a hard task. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on Trevorrow, and he himself says uh, he was interviewed by Mark Ellis or Schmoes. No, and I, I saw part of that interview in person, and he said, "Hey, look, um, I'm doing my own thing for nine, but also I I am you know this is a sequel to Ryan's film, just like his is a sequel to Abrams' film. So I'm working with what came before. Um, so he's kind of locked into some story. So for those that think and look, there's uh, there is some things." There's some things out there that makes you think that these these directors and these writers from these books just kind of get free reign. That they get to just, uh, here's what you're going to write, here's the story you're going to tell, go out, do what you want to do, and come back and let us know. We'll let you know if you've crossed streams on canon and we'll fix some of those things. That's contrary to some things I heard early on. I heard some of the writers were like, hey, here's a, you're taken to a room, you're given your story, you're given your characters, yeah, you can't take notes, you have to look at it, well, whip this binder away from you and you go write your book. I've heard different stories, but again, I'm not in these meetings, and that's a phrase I say often, none of us are in these meetings. Um, we'll figure all that stuff out. So, But all this to say that you get the idea that Ryan Johnson was given the keys and told to just drive this car the way he wants it. And people trust that because people love Ryan Johnson's movies and there's a little bit more of a sample. With Trevorrow, if he and his team have free reign and they're given the keys to drive the car, I understand why some people might see Jurassic World, hear the reviews of Book of Henry, and fear that this car is going to go off the cliff. 
But Trevor himself has said in an interview with Fandango, just talking in general about the pressures of making the film and the pressures of telling the story, he said he's got a lot of support. He's got Abrams. He's got Kathleen Kennedy. He's got Ryan Johnson. He's got Lawrence Kasdan. Probably saying, oh, maybe needs a little more Kylo. Um, you know, you got the story group led by Kiri Hart and everyone else. He feels as though he's got a great team behind him. And that team, no doubt, is going to fully trust their director, fully trust their storyteller. But, as we saw with Rogue One, if things go a little off the track, or things don't seem that right, you're going to get some sort of uh, um, oversight. Not necessarily fabled reshoots, but you're going to get some sort of oversight. You're going to get someone saying, hey... Uh, we can't do that. That's not going to play. So I don't think I, I think that's even the case with Ryan Johnson. We're not talking about Mark Hamill criticizing Ryan Johnson in public. We're talking about behind the scenes. If they were like, "Ooh, we don't want that. Luke is not going to become some sort of Sith and fly around on a magic carpet. Sorry, Ryan. That's not going to be the case. All right. If I was making the movie, Mark Hamill would be hanging out with some rocks, with seaweed, and some eyes drawn on them, and the native creatures would be ferrets with overalls. Said that on Jedi Council several times. Uh, that's the Star Wars episode I'd, eight. I'd write. I hope Kathleen Kennedy would say no. Oh God, I hope I never get a Star Wars picture. So, all this hubbub. Bacchavaro being maybe cut loose, or should he? I, I think no one's saying he will. I think people are saying maybe he should. Jurassic World, Bryce Dallas Howard was running around in heels. The story was thin. And now we got Book of Henry, which isn't working. It's getting slammed by critics. The Rotten Tomato score is low. Maybe they should make a change. They're not going to make a change, and they shouldn't. But what about Josh Trank? Good point. Trank was removed off a standalone project, a one that is uh, still waiting to be announced, but it was going to be Boba Fett. He was pulled. And again, we don't know those stories. We're not in those meetings. We are not on the conference calls with Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Lawrence Kasdan, and anyone else. Bob Iger. We're not there. We don't know exactly why Trank was pulled off or why Trank left. You can get rumors in this media discussion age. I get it. There's a lot of things that might lead to think uh, this happened or that happened. I think a lot of it had to do with behind the scenes on Fantastic, Fanta, Fantastic Four, excuse me, Fantor, Fantorstic, Fantastic, Fantorstic. It's late at night. I don't correct these things, and I hope you appreciate that. Um, but the Fantastic Four film was maligned. The Fast, Fantastic Four film had some problems behind the scenes. And you can say that, hey, some people like what Trank did in the, most, in the parts of the movie that were his, and some people don't like... The add-ons and the reshoots or the retinkers, uh, the tinkering and all that guy, they don't blame Trank for that. I've heard people say that. But also there's some uh, rumors of his behavior. Again, I wasn't on the set. Were you on the set? I wasn't on the set. We don't fully know. And guess what? During the creative process, sometimes people get argue. Sometimes people get a little crazy. Sometimes there's ego. Sometimes there's bruised egos. There is a lot going on, and we aren't there. We don't know. But Trank, in the end of the day is not directing that movie. So if you point to that for some sort of precedent to remove Trevorrow from Nine, I think you're, you're, uh, you're wrong in the end. You're wrong. Um, it's a good point at first, but you're wrong. It was totally different reasons. And Trevorrow, by all accounts, and I didn't get to shake his hand when he stopped by the Collider Studios recently. I wish I did. Uh, but by all accounts, the people that were talking to him off camera, this is a, this is a good dude. It's a small sample size of meeting somebody. I get that. But I think we're in good hands. 
and I trust what's going on. I'm excited for what Ryan Johnson is, is not only doing and continuing the story, but setting up. He seems involved. He seems like a great storyteller, and I think it's going to work. I think you're going to see that, uh, that ball be handed off to um, uh, Trevorrow and his, his creative team, and I think it's going to be a smooth transition. We're going to be okay. Well, uh, we'll see if that transition from seven to eight is smooth. I believe it is. Does it look the f- same? That's what that's what Force Awakens has a different look. It has this very specific look than any other of the Star Wars films. Just like the prequels look different from the original trilogy. I'm not talking about designs. I'm, t- I'm just uh, it's modern filmmaking. Things are going to look different. Uh, but Force Awakens just has this kind of. There's a sheen on it. We've talked about it before. Rogue One looks a little. It's got that realistic, gritty look that we all want, right? Ever since the Batman movies with Nolan, we want gritty. We want real. Rogue One had that. Force Awakens at times didn't. The stuff on Starkiller Base, it is like the the, the First Order has some great janitorial services. No wonder Finn was uh, you know so skilled as a janitor um, on Starkiller Base. They do a great job fixing, repairing, cleaning. Things look sharp. Things look absolutely sharp on Starkiller Base. But you know what I mean? There was that sheen. And I wonder. We've only seen small small stuff in that trailer for the Last Jedi, the teaser trailer. I wonder if uh, eight's going to look like seven. It's got to look someone like somewhat like it. You know what I mean? Uh, I I don't want 8 to look so different from Episode 7. And we'll see if 9 carries that. All right, enough about 9. I also wanted to talk about speculation in general. I'm going to speculate to the end of days. You're going to speculate to the end of days. But we have to maybe police ourselves to just not go so deep and so crazy. I had to cover a story about this uh, these native creatures in Aktu which is where the last Jedi temple, excuse me, the first Jedi temple was, and where, what we're going to see again in The Last Jedi. And it seems to be that Luke wasn't alone. There were some native little creatures. To me, I hope they're ferrets and overalls, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I thought maybe some Ugnaughts hanging out there, some shaved Ewoks. Instead, what we're getting are these uh, uh, Muppets, or puppets, Muppets, <laughs> it's Fozzie Bear. Some some puppets, some some real life practical sets, um, some kind of big furry wampa meets Moroff from Rogue One, Saul's uh, part of Saz Partisan's uh, uh, character. It's this weird looking thing. It really it looks like a Muppet. It looks like it wanted to go to Manhattan with Kermit. Um, I'm naming it Gus. And I think Gus talks like this, um, and he's going to hang out with Luke. And there might be others. Eh, cool. It's great. It doesn't. It, it's not a. We'd already heard it. Uh, it's a, not a major spoiler. It's minor, minor, minor at best. But I, 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 I just wish this stuff didn't come out. And I get it. There, you, there's a lot of money on on these sites that they're going to post this stuff and get these stories. I'm not. I don't want to take any money away from anyone. And we got to talk about it on Jedi Council on Collider. But I put quotations around. We got to talk about it. I don't know if we do. And we'll probably, look, we'll probably talk about it on Force Center. I said, we're going to speculate. This is the media discussion world. But on Force Center, I think this is what I like that we do here. Joseph and Jennifer and I aren't going to bang our heads against the wall and talking too much about these characters. Uh, They live on Act 2. They cook breakfast with Luke and they tell stories. I don't care. I don't know. I want to find out. And I just tend to get a little grumpy, and that's maybe what I'm talking about today. I get a little grumpy sometimes. Where I just, I just want to let this stuff happen. Let me enjoy Star Wars, even, a, even as a podcaster about it. 
I like looking back more than I like looking ahead. I was featured by John Bishop on Making Star Wars' website interview, and I said, I said, and I mean it in that interview, that I like it when I'm wrong about Star Wars. I don't want to hear a little news bite and say, here's what I think's going to happen, and then it happens. Because that means I'm there, I'm almost ahead of Lucasfilm. I don't want that. I'm still a fan. I want Lucasfilm to be ahead of me. I think that's going to happen with Ryan Johnson. I really can't. I'm having a tough time predicting some of the big points in Episode Eight, and I love them. Again, I, I want to be clear here. Speculation's part of the fun. I like seeing the little creature, but I just wish... Stop taking set photos from helicopters. Remember when we saw the, the uh, set photos high above, taken from a plane or a helicopter or a space shuttle or a satellite... Uh, from the space station, and it was of the uh, what we now know as a resistance base set on the, on the planet Dukar, but it was out in uh, England there. You know, is it a giant spoiler? No. You gotta imagine at some point there was going to be a hidden resistance rebel-like base with a Falcon and an X-Wing. Of course. Of course. But I just would be okay with seeing it for the first time as intended by Lucasfilm, even if that's a trailer or a promotional shot. Uh, And then, you know, hopefully Lucasfilm does that responsibly and doesn't give me all the plot, but that's a different discussion. So anyways, I'm kind of venting. I'm kind of being a grumpy Star Wars fan tonight. Uh, Again, speculation is fun. We will speculate here on Force Center. I will speculate here on Spotlight Star Wars. We will do a, hey, we saw another trailer of Episode Eight. What do you think will happen in the movie? That's okay. You should do that too. But I think we work ourselves up too much. And I think we try too hard to be right. When I think we should just concentrate on enjoying. And even when those movies come out, if we criticize or poke fun, that's part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan. I get it. But as far as Gus and the weird furry creatures on Octu with Luke, I'm just going to wait until they come out in the movies, and I can actually see what they are. Let's go to the questions. You guys send in questions to me on Twitter using the hashtag SpotlightStarWars. I bring them up, and I read them, sometimes for the first time. I like just being caught off guard. I catch myself off guard. I don't do any research. My, my other podcasting partners here in this feed, Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa, are great on research. They are amazing on research. I'm a bad student. They're A-plus students. I'm a C-minus student. I like diving in. Uh, Let's go to the questions. Naoki Hattori, uh, at Commander Sato on Twitter, call out to a great character from Star Wars Rebels, Commander Sato, says, Hey, Ken, hashtag spotlight Star Wars. Any chance that the true, quote, chosen one is Rey or Kylo? I... I think now there's a chance it is. And I think most likely the it would be Ray. If I had to choose between those two, it would be Ray. Unless, of course, Ray's not a Kenobi or not even a Palpatine and just she's just a Ray. Um then I would look to Kylo. Because Kylo's got the bloodline. Kylo would tie directly to Leia, Han, Luke, Vader. That makes sense. In, in some ways, unless Ray, you know, is Luke's daughter, 
it would make more sense. Even if Ray is a Kenobi, now that I think about it, if she's a Kenobi, I still, uh, Kylo might have more of the pedigree to be the, quote, chosen one. I, though, still think and still hope that the chosen one is Luke. I get that it might be Anakin. I can get behind the Anakin argument. In fact, I might even flip-flop and change my mind from time to time. But I think it's Luke. I think we were raised to believe that it's Luke. I, I believe I believe in Obi-Wan. I believe in Obi-Wan when he says it's Luke, that he believes in his heart. It's Luke. That could be shaded through his point of view. Definitely could be. That's what Obi-Wan likes to do. But um, I think the chosen one will still be Luke. And it's Luke. But again, Ray or, Ray or Kylo? Kylo might have a bigger, bigger, and better case. Adam Siri. Adam Siri? Hi, Adam. He writes, I've never read a comic book in my life. I'm 38. Star Wars would be a good place to start. Got some tips, please? Using hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Adam, it's never too late. It's never too late. Uh, Star Wars is a great place to start. I say, go pick up the first trade paperback of the regular Star Wars line. The regular Star Wars line is up around issue 31, 32 now. So you got to go back a ways. I think start there. You got some great stuff. You got Vader down, uh, that storyline there. And then go to the Darth Vader comic, pick up a trade paperback. Now, what's a trade paperback? I don't want to insult you if you know, Adam. And I know a lot of people listening do. Trade paperback is roughly... Uh, you take uh, six or so issues of a comic that normally come out monthly, and you put them into one purchasable publication, and that is called a trade paperback. Uh, it's six or seven, sometimes five comics at once. It could be maybe a little more cost-effective, and it's definitely, if you like hard copies, it is storage-effective. I'm still a hard copy collector, and Adam, you can get them digitally, but I recommend if you're going to dive into comics, part of the fun is going to get them, collecting them, putting them in your hands, seeing those covers, and uh, getting some alternative covers, some alternates. Um, go for that. Go for that. Some variant covers. Uh, do that, Adam. Start with Star Wars. Start with Darth Vader. Then you got separate series to go into. I think the Lando one is great. It's a five-issue run. The Leia one is good, has some good stuff in it, but I think it's a, it's key. Leia's key, go there. The Han Solo one's good. I think you can get to that eventually, but start there. The main Star Wars line, the Darth Vader line, Lando, Leia, and then I think you all should also should go for the Kanan comic. I think the Kanan series, which is done now, um, was spectacular. And then there's other ones. They're doing great stuff. There's some weird things in the comics at Adam and anyone who hasn't really dived on in to the comics yet. Uh, I, I, y there's some fantastical, outrageous things in those comics, and, and you just have to be okay with those as a Star Wars fan if you want to read those comics. They're canon. It sometimes can ruffle my feathers, admittedly. I'm not a big fan of this Screaming Citadel storyline they got going on right now, but you know what? A lot of good work is putting it. There's a lot of fun moments, and uh, it's Star Wars comics in your stack every month. So, Adam, let me know, Adam. Give it a go, start, and then let me know, all right? Let me know how it goes. 
Mitchell Godfrey at Irish B4 says, After Twin Sons, which is the episode on Star Wars Rebels that Obi-Wan uh, is featured, and spoilers, uh, kills Darth Maul. Um, and he asks, Mitchell asks, great question. After Twin Sons, does Obi-Wan tease Qui-Gon's force ghost or presence how easily he took down Maul? You know, Obi-Wan has a has a kind of sarcastic mean streak in him. I can see, because I think by this point he's communing with Qui-Gon. You have to wonder what would the conversation be. Maul's dead. Obi-Wan's maybe got to bury him right there. And um, Qui-Gon appears. Hey, oh, Obi-Wan, what'd you do here? Oh, yeah, no big deal. You just killed Darth Maul in like two moves. What's your problem, Qui-Gon? I could see that happening. It'd be out of place. It'd be bad of Obi-Wan to do that, but I can see that. He's a little snarky from time to time. We know that. We like Obi-Wan because he's a little snarky from time to time. And I think Qui-Gon would laugh and just say, hey, it all happened for a reason, all right? Now go check on Shmi. Make sure she's okay. Uh, Rester J asked, have you picked up the new Darth Vader comic yet? And guys, I have not. I am so behind. I got to get out. I'm traveling soon. I'm going up to a wedding in the Redwoods in California, very near where Return of the Jedi was filmed. So I'm hoping to run into some Ewoks, but I have not picked up the Darth, uh, Darth Vader comic. I have heard good things about it. Uh, not necessarily great things, but that does not mean it's bad or not mean I've heard bad things. I've just heard that it's, it's good. And that's from Alex, actually, of Star Wars Explained. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick it up for sure. I'm not going to, I'm not going to not pick that up. And I got to catch up on the Rogue One comic, which actually, uh, really enjoyed the first issue and I haven't picked it up. Times are tough. Hard life, guys. Hard life. I have to record Star Wars podcasts, and sometimes I don't get out to the comic shop to pick up my comical booklets. Guys, that's it for this week. Thanks for the questions. You can reach out to me uh, on Twitter at Ken Knapsack. Use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars or Force Center Pod and use hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. Do that there. If you just want it for this show, that's the hashtag to use. If you use hashtag Force Center, it could end up on the main show. So choose your hashtags wisely. Uh, there's a lot of things going on at Force Center here in uh, the mid part of 2017, and we thank you for being part of that journey. We are on Patreon. You can support us if you want there. Also, all kinds of cool rewards, including our special Patreon-only show each month called Finish the Fan Fiction. And then also we just opened our merch store on TeePublic, and those T-shirts and coffee mugs are flying off the shelves. I've even got one on the way to me with a sticker for uh, for Center. You can get stickers. Hashtag prequelist. I got a prequelist sticker. It's official. You can find us on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. We're on Podomatic and Stitcher as well right now. Guys, do us a favor and uh, rate and review if you're checking in on iTunes. That is it for now, guys. I'll be back on Spotlight Star Wars in two weeks for episode 80. Big number 80. That's it for now. Thanks for the questions. And for Colin Trevorrow, for that weird creature in Octu, that's it. We'll see you next time. May that force thing, kind of, sort of, always remain around.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 